Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. Hey, good morning, friends. Welcome. My name's Gene. I am uh, glad you're in the house this morning. Glad you're online. Wherever you are this morning, it's going to be a great time together as we have already experienced uh, the presence of Jesus in this place already this morning. What a privilege it is to uh, talk to you this morning again as we uh, do each week and as we get into week number six of what is the church. Hey, if you are a first-timer, or maybe you've been here for a while and you've never let us know that you're actually in the house. In front of you, wherever you're sitting, you'll see a couple QR codes. So it's entirely appropriate for you to bring your phone out, scan the QR code, the first timer QR code. And when you do, uh, you'll get a receipt saying, hey, I've completed this. And you can take that to the Merch Center after the service, not now, after the Merch Center, or after church, at the Merch Center, and uh, someone there will help you uh, get a piece of merch for yourself, free piece of merch, all of you newcomers. And uh, we, we're, you know, we're, there's, there's enough of us here this morning that uh, maybe you get lost in the crowd, but if you've been here for a while, we probably know you, and so don't try to do it if you've been here for like three years or something, right? We got you. Brenda already alluded to this. Um, I have uh, surgery coming up this week. And um, for the latest update, I'm not going to belabor the point. I'm not looking forward to it. But I've got great doctors and I've got an amazing God that is overseeing all of this. And so uh, we're believing for uh, a successful surgery and um, recovery and all of that good stuff. GeneTroyer.com is my blog site. And there's more information there if you uh, are interested. So, week number six of what is the church? All right, so where we've been, if you haven't caught up with us, where we've been is that week one we talked about that the church is a creation of God. Uh, we can do all kinds of, uh, we can have all kinds of strategy, we can have all kinds of technology, but the bottom line is the church was created by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit drives the whole thing. And, uh, and so we, we, we lean into that. We believe that God can do uh, much more, exceedingly more, greater things than we could ever do alone. Uh, week two, we talked about the fact that the church is an upside down kingdom. We do micro things, small things, to create big things. If we, uh, and, and the, the greatest shall be the last, the least among us. And so uh, it's bottom up, not top down. Week three, we talked about being on mission or out of commission? What's your go, Jordan asked us. What's your go? Uh, week number four, everybody always, hey, who's excluded and who's marginalized? They are part of us too. Last week, we talked about do we earn or do we burn? Are those the only two options, earn or burn? We said, now we're a place of grace, the church. The local church is, should be a place of grace where what we believe is what we practice. I hope you thought about that a little bit in the ensuing time here. What are you practicing? What are you doing with your life? 
because what you're doing reflects what you believe. What we believe is what we practice. And today, today we're gonna dig into what is the church? It is a place of diversity. The church is diversity. So um, let's do a little exercise here. Do you remember the song, the kids' song? Um, Jesus loves the little children. Jesus loves the little children. All right, you got it? So in staff meeting, we got into a little argument this week because unintentionally, like who doesn't sing that with red, brown, yellow, black, and white? Well, half our team. Half our team was like, red and yellow, black and white. And so I looked around the room and I saw, well, uh, the people, those of us that included Brown are way ahead of the curve in this whole racial conversation. And we were all like uh, from a Mennonite background that knew that. So uh, the vineyards and the assembly of gods and all of that, they hadn't caught up yet. Anyway, all right. So how many of you included the word Brown in that song? Yeah. Right, look at it, look at that, all right. Uh, how many did not? Okay, uh, we outhanded you. How many didn't even know the song? Well, there's a new version of this. Uh, the new version includes, instead of the colors, it includes every color, shape, and size. They are precious in his eyes. Right, interesting, so. Whoever wrote these songs? Like, I don't know if I've ever even thought about it before, but uh, I don't think anybody wants to be classified with their skin color anymore. Uh, we've gotten kind of uh, uh, pretty sensitive about that, and I, I, would, I, I concur that there's probably better ways of teaching our kids songs like this. Because in today's world, we hear a lot about diversity don't we? Racial justice. We hear a lot about who matters and what matters, and conversely, who doesn't matter and what doesn't matter. I'm a privileged white male, so it would stand to reason that I should sit down and shut up, right, in today's culture? Isn't that about true? When we hear things like this, what, what happens inside of us? What happens inside of us? When we're talking about diversity, but we're a pretty vanilla crowd this morning. How do we become a diverse community of faith when we really like each other, like like attracts like, right? We often end up in our own bubble. Uh, we even end up in our own echo chambers. Like, we just believe everything everybody else believes that we're connected with. And, and often, we, we resist venturing out and getting other perspectives. Because, especially in this last year, uh, it really came to the surface, right? I need to be able to express my opinion, right? They need to know. They need to know that I don't agree. If I'm connected with those people, well, the first thing I have to do is tell them I don't agree with their way of living. My question is, does it need to be the first interaction, though? 
Is it important? Because see what happens is we can actually step into those situations and begin relating, begin hearing the other person and consider that their perspective might have value as well. In Paul's letter to the Roman church, in chapter 16, he's like in 15, Romans 15, he's like finishing out the book. And all of a sudden, it feels like he just turns the page and says, oh, I gotta say hi. And he does this. Listen, he says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a deacon in the church, Welcome her in the Lord as one who is worthy of honor among God's people. Give my uh, greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry of Christ. In fact, they once risked their lives. Greet my dear friend, um, they don't, don't know his name, but he was the first person from the province of Asia. Give my greetings to Mary. Greet the other guy and Junia, my fellow Jews who were in prison with me. It's like he's, it's like me saying this morning, Hey, Brandon, great to see you. Marlon, you're in the house. Awesome. Thank you for walking alongside of us. Yeah, Jill back there. Awesome. Greet her. You guys could all turn and greet Jill. You just say, you know, that's kind of thing that he's doing in this moment. He's giving. He's, he's saying, hey, you guys have value. You guys have value. There's value in all the people that are part of the congregation of faith. Diversity. Diversity is, first of all, biblical. Diversity is, first of all, biblical. In the letter to the Ephesian church, uh, Paul, in, in chapter three, he says, I am Paul, I'm chosen by God to make plain, to explain the diverse agenda, both to Jew and Gentile. Because Jews and Gentile, Jews and anyone else, and most of us are not Jewish. So to us, we are sharing equally in the rich benefits of the good news of Jesus. We're sharing equally. We have access just like everyone else to the good news of Jesus. Further, he says in 10 and 11, of Ephesians 3, verses 10 and 11, he says, God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in rich variety. That word rich variety in the Greek, it simply means many colored to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jews and Gentiles, together, as the local church. It wasn't always this way. It wasn't always this way. And, and I'm reminded of, um, the, you remember the Rosa Parks story where she was relegated to the back of the bus? That was the era that, we were, that, that the United States was living in at that moment was that there were sections for, um, there were sections for white people, sections for colored people. This was the distinction. And white people, got privilege. They got to sit wherever they wanted. Others were at the back of the bus. It reminds me of Rosa Parks and her experience. So if you look back in history, you look at the, the, uh, the architecture of the temple. It had specific spaces in the Jewish temple. They had created specific spaces where only certain people could go. The Holy of Holies was was where the priest could only go. Then there was a place for men. There was a place for women. There was the court of the Gentiles. The court of the Gentiles was actually had a five-foot wall 
that surrounded that space, and it was to keep those dirty scoundrels from getting into the Jewish area, right? So no cross-contamination. Archaeological digs have even found signs that were written in Greek that were the, uh, they said the equivalent of trespassers will be shot on sight. Trespassers will be shot on sight. These are the kinds of welcoming things that the Jewish people did for the Gentiles back in the day. This is the backdrop to the tensions of the Jews and the Gentiles. Did you think that the Gaza Strip and the Middle East being on fire this morning is actually something new? Because it's not. It's thousands of years old, this quarreling, this fighting. Paul was really aware of it. He was in the middle of it. See, the first church, as Paul was establishing these churches, he was saying, hey, don't copy the culture. Don't copy the culture you're in. But instead, begin to reflect a new way of living. This was a, a paradigm shift of epic proportions for those in that era of, uh, of history. So last week, we talked about the first century's church, at, uh, their attempt to... Um, require the Mosaic law be upheld for any new Gentile believers coming in to the congregation. And Paul insisted otherwise. He said, no, 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 no. No, we don't, that, that's the old law. Now a good Jew might still obey some of those laws, but we're not gonna require the Gentiles. This shift in perspective was huge. His assertion was, and we would agree, that Jesus came to demolish strongholds. Jesus came to do away with the old covenant that required blood sacrifice. The old covenant is what Jesus came to replace. Remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross? Do you remember that the gospels tell us that when he died, the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. The, the curtain that hid the Holy of Holies was opened, not just to a few, but to all of us. All of us now have gained access into the Holy of Holies that formerly separated us. That was the ex expectation that Paul had as he started new churches, that we would have full access, full access to the Spirit of God. In the church, we would be on level ground. See, diversity, diversity is not only biblical, but it must be intentional. Diversity is intentional. It doesn't just happen. Like attracts like. We are trying to be, I hope you are, on purpose, that you're intentionally, you're on purpose about making all of life and your relationships that they would integrate with the place that you live and work and play. Integrate your relationships with the place and the people where you work and play. In Romans 16, not only does, does Paul call out 26 individuals, now remember, women, Backseat. Gentiles, backseat. 
In this scripture, he's very intentional about saying there are not just 26 people, but actually nine women who are named. So there's, 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 there's no putting women at the back seat anymore in, in the church as Paul describes it, as Paul creates the church. There's, women have equal footing. So there's gender diversity. There is the fact that there are powerful and powerless side by side, sitting next to each other all over the place. Paul names slaves right along with friends of the emperor Claudius. So he had the highest of the highs, the lowest of the lows, all of society finding meaning and purpose and new identity in the church. Galatians 3.28, when Paul writes the letter to the Galatian church, he, he makes it even clearer. He says, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Does this mean that there is no difference at all in us? Of course not. We, we still have nationality. We have status. We have uh, different sexes. But a Jew remains a Jew. A Gentile, a Gentile. But the gathered church has become one with God as his sons and daughters. All of us, followers of Jesus, now belong to each other in a way that is, uh, that is uh, with our distinctions, but it doesn't divide us. It shouldn't divide us. We, we don't lose our significance in the middle of our distinctions. So diversity is biblical. It is intentional. Diversity is sacrificial. This is where, uh, this is the, the really hard one, right? To lay down my preferences, but I prefer this. Right, and so, so Paul, in his writing again to the Galatian church, he calls us to lay down our preferences. He says in, in chapter five, he says, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in, law, in love, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, if you look at it one way, you could say, well, hey, I live in freedom. I can do whatever I want. I used to be in bondage. I'm in freedom now, which means, hey, I can do it, whatever, whatever I want. The truth is that because of God's uh, generosity, because of his grace, we don't have to scrutinize and dissect every action to see if it passes muster, but the point is not just to get by. We wanna live well, and we do that best when we help others live well. And doing it well requires humility. Diversity is humble. Diversity is humble. Diversity calls for enough humility to listen, to listen. So in your relationships, do you tend to listen to understand or do you tend to listen to respond? This week I was in a meeting and uh, I recognized a pattern developing in my listening. 
because I was trying to listen to respond. Found myself trying to listen to respond, which meant that the person was not quite finished with the sentence before I was going right into the conversation. I didn't even catch his full thought before I was responding. This is true for all of relationships. If you're married, it's pretty important that you listen to understand. If you're in relationships at work, wherever you are, the art of listening to understand cannot be overstated. Listening means being quiet and really hearing the other human's experience, which may be very different from yours. It means resisting the, uh, the urgent um, need to be the expert. <laughs> Is it just me? But sometimes I have the need to be the expert, right? Resist that. It means that your opinion doesn't always need to be at the forefront. In fact, stepping back with humility, stepping back with grace is the better way. It doesn't mean that you just lay on the floor and let somebody walk all over you. That's not what this means. It means that you have intentionally decided to prefer the other. Paul says it another way when he's writing the letter to the Philippian church. Uh, he, he says this in, verse, in chapter two. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your own interests, but take an interest in others too. It is as plain as we could ever uh, try to make it. In these ancient scriptures, is it not true that you and I still, we still wrestle with these very basic principles of humanity, basic principles of our faith? As a leader, um, and, and probably as, as a preacher even more, I'm not, uh, I'm not a stranger to having someone say to me, yeah, uh, your preaching just isn't deep enough. Like, like, I need some meat. Like, I am done with the milk. I don't need the milk anymore. I've graduated to meat. You gotta get deeper. And I wanna say a few things about that. See, see, I'm gonna make some assumptions about uh, the person that says that. I'm gonna assume that you have read Philippians 2, verse three and four, and you are not selfish, that you don't try to impress others. You are so humble that you never think of yourself, that you never look out for your own interests and only for the interests of others. That's my assumption if you are coming to me with that sort of request. Because I'll tell you something, most of us are still nursing. Maybe it has something to do with the majority of us never cracking our Bible open. Do you know that a recent study, some recent research says that only one in three of us are actually reading our Bible on a daily basis? That leaves 70% in the occasional or never side of things. See, when you, when you read your Bible, 
and you actually apply it, things will change. How you treat people of different races will change. Your compassion for the refugee, your ideas about that, the practical working out of that will change. Your decisions that you make at work and at school will change when you read your Bible and actually apply it to your life. Your decisions about sex and sexuality will dramatically shift and change when you read your Bible. And you truly will, if you apply it, become less selfish. You will look out for the other's interests. You know, it's interesting. I, I have these little binoculars right here. This is, um, this is Eloise, my granddaughter. I hope you never tire of me talking about Eloise and Ophelia because you're gonna have to get used to it. Um, Eloise comes to our house. She's two years old. She has two drawers in our window seat that are hers. Those she can pull out. They're filled with all kinds of toys and stuff, right? This is her favorite. And she puts it on like this, and she walks around the house. And we're all like, hey, Eloise, can you see us? Can you see us? Can you see us? And she looks out the side, yeah, she can see us. Well, and then occasionally, she gets it like this, some kind of upside down thing. And now, look at that, you're all way, way away from me. And so she, she knows, and she turns it around. She looks close. See, some of us, some of us do this. We're really close, looking at Ricky's heart right now. And like, I can see all kinds of like stuff going on in him. And I can see his sin up close. Look at that. But guess what I do? Guess what you do? If we're not careful, we flip this thing around and I can barely see the back there. And that's how we see our own sin. See, when we're self-absorbed, when we're not applying humility to our own lives, this is what we do. We see others' problems, their brokenness. We see it all up front and close. And we critique and we hate and we war, never seeing the brokenness inside of our own souls. What is the church? What is the church? Red, brown, yellow, black, and white, every color, shape, and size, everybody has a seat at the table. You know what my hope is for Eloise and for Ophelia as they grow up? That they'll have a very different experience when it comes to what it means to live in a world that is diverse and welcoming and accepting and loving yeah, but what, what, what? What about that sin? Yeah. We continue to call it out. We continue to speak the truth. We can do that.
we can do that and we can be biblical, we can be intentional, we can be sacrificial, and we can be humble. What is the church? It is diverse. It is multicolored. It is a multicolored tapestry, a mosaic of beauty that testifies to the will of God for his people, for the humanity he created. That's what the church is. The church is, is, is diverse. The question is, do you and I have the courage? Because this is hard work. It's not just about perception. I mean, we can all day long sit around and say, hey, well, at least let's make our social media look kind of diverse. Like, let's start there. If we're not doing it in real life, let's, let's do away with the charade. Because I wonder if we have the capacity to initiate change because we have to do it at the micro level before it can impact the macro level. You and I, individually, are responsible. When we take that responsibility seriously, we'll engage those around us that are different than us. When we do, we get ever closer to the will of God made visible in the words of Jesus when he said in John 10, 10, he said, I came that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Who is they? Who is they? Who did he come for? For God so loved the world. The world. In Matthew, the charge to us, the charge to that early church and to us is go make disciples of all nations, the world, all nations, every color, shape, and size, all are precious in his eyes, all are invited. So this morning, I wanna say to you, if you've been excluded, in a lot of us, I mean, maybe it's a normal human experience that one time or another, you've been part of the excluded. And for that, we ask forgiveness. Today's a new day, though. Today, all are included in the economy of God, the social structure of Jesus. We hold up a new standard, a new standard for how we should live and be in relationship with each other. So welcome to the table of God. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.